You're listening to Childcare Voices. Lack of affordable childcare and low pay for childcare workers is a major cause of poverty and inequality. We are Grow Your Own, an oral history project that is looking to the past for inspiration to tackle the problems we face today. We're on a mission to record the history of childcare organising and share lessons from the past. We've brought together a group of people who are all affected by childcare in some way to research the historical roots of the issues they face. As they look into the past, will they find a solution that helps them? Hi, my name is Adiola. I'm a mom of three with a young person with special abilities. I run an activity hub for children and young people with special educational needs and disabilities, otherwise referred to as SEND children and young people. Personally, the term special needs and disabilities brings mixed emotions. The hub is called Space for Me, creating a personal space to focus on abilities of each person and is offset registered. I have childcare as my educational background, from working as a lecturer in childcare to being Montessori trained. And Space for Me adopts the freedom of choice model, so each individual comes into a space and has the freedom to choose an activity or just attend as each person has individual needs and ways of communicating. So Space for Me adopts a whole family approach with zero exclusion, which means siblings can attend and the whole family can socialize and join in activities and get support or be signposted to services such as requesting for an educational support plan called EHCP, food essential support, benefits advice services, CV form filling or just a chat. We have a WhatsApp group with 50 plus families and a separate WhatsApp group for young people aged 17 to 25. The cost of the few services that are available for kids with special educational needs and disabilities is unaffordable to those without a social care support package and very few providers offer a family inclusive session. For me as a working parent, it's been a struggle to find both suitable childcare or activities we could take part in as a family without exclusion. During lockdown with Community Grant Fund, we launched a Space For Me online activity hub for families to connect with each other via arts and crafts, exercise, and even hosted a Send Xmas party online in partnership with the New Young Parents Forum for Send Families ages 0 to 25, which was fun. From the needs identified during lockdown, especially around the inability to go food shopping due to vulnerabilities and shielding, sometimes as a whole family, a few of us parents came together to propose the Food for Send initiative, which led to some local authority funding given to New Young Parents Forum, which we facilitated, and we got funding from Department of Works and Pensions to the Five Years Development, a voluntary sector organization which I project manage, and we purchased and delivered food and essentials to families shielding. This included gluten-free items and diverse items like plantain, yams, chapati, chicken, meat-free products, nappies, etc according to the needs of each family and were able to reach over 400 send families in our borough. Local Authority Transport Department also provided their special school bus used for school transport for children with special needs and disabilities, which we used to deliver specialist food supplies and activity materials to people's homes. For some, this was the only connection to the outside world, especially the children who wait by the window to wave to the driver and escort who delivered the parcels at their doorstep all the volunteers who use their vehicles while followed off work. 
This work highlighted to us that a lot of families were facing serious issues and barriers in accessing services which provided opportunities to socialize as a whole family without barriers. This piece of working also demonstrated the power of working together to solve a need by multiple partners. This experience made me want to find out what it was like for families with neurodiverse children or children with special needs and disabilities in the past. How can we make this situation for families like mine better? From my lived experience, I had to change my career as I could no longer work full time due to the lack of suitable wraparound childcare from breakfast club to after school club, including finding a suitable nanny or childminder. And I know I'm not alone in this experience. Other SEN parents and carers have shared their experience about having to shelve dreams and aspirations due to caring responsibilities, including relationship breakdown. Recently, I heard that TV presenter Greg Wallace, a judge on MasterChef, stepped down from presenting a TV show series to spend more time with his autistic son, specifically to support his son's education and support his partner. Welcome to the celebrity MasterChef. My little boy, Sid, I think you do know this, that he's actually autistic, very autistic. Yes, I do, and he's, yeah. He's coming up for his fourth birthday next year. Uh, he's non-verbal, but um, it's not easy. So I've made a decision, and I'm actually not going to do inside the factory anymore. Don't... Oh, wow. Okay, actually, that's... The organisation contacted the family, conducted an online survey between July and September 2011, they received 1,148 responses from families with disabled children across UK. The Forgotten Families Report from 2012 documents the impact of isolation on families with disabled children across UK. The report also found out that 72% experienced mental ill health, such as anxiety, depression, or breakdown due to isolation. 54% say lack of support means they are isolated and not able to work as much as they would like. One in five, 21%, say that isolation has led to the breakup of their family life. Grief's report also looked at the causes of isolation, which says over half, that is 56%, felt that the cause of the isolation is due to a lack of support from statutory services, such as social care and education services. And another 50% said that the isolation is a result of the discrimination or stigma they experience. In the same report, Strictly Calm Down sister Alicia Dixon says, my younger brother has cerebral palsy, so I understand how easy it can be for close family members of a disabled child to feel isolated and alone. Not because there aren't enough people around, but because no one you know can relate to your experience. Parents of children with special educational needs and disabilities, including those with siblings, need support and mentoring at all ages. Working parents with children with SEND need opportunities to socialize with others. Children and young people we send need inclusive, high-quality childcare and wraparound care so they don't miss out and so their parents can work and fulfill their aspirations. Children we send are often turned away by childcare settings as they don't have the funding or expertise to include them. There needs to be more funding and training on how to provide inclusive services for children and young people we send. A sent child is part of a family, be it parents, carers, siblings, grandmas, grandpas, cousins, etc. I decided to investigate the history of these issues and find out what was done previously and see what I could learn about good practice. I want to find a way to bring to light the issue and find solutions that work on a community level. But it's been a real struggle to find information on childcare provision for children with support needs.
The Holding the Baby archive contains interviews about parenting and childcare in East London. In this collection, I found out about a playgroup that started at the Memorial Baptist Church in Plaistow in 1967. The playgroup started to host an opportunity group in 1974 that welcomed disabled children and their parents. The founder of the playgroup, Judith Marchant, explains how the opportunity group begins in this clip. And in 74, social services actually asked us whether we would host an opportunity group for children with special needs. And I was very keen to do that. And our social services were actually offering transport to pick up mothers and their children from over the borough. And they would refer people and they gave us physio advice and speech therapy advice. And there was a lovely doctor called Dr. Bean, who was a child physician, and she would come sometimes. So that happened two afternoons a week in the same place with the same equipment, no charge, and volunteers. Most of those volunteers came via the church not all. Some came by the playgroup. Um, and the physio, we got to know the physio person and she would come once in a while. The children who came were, some of them were babies and some were up to school age. A wide variety of special needs. Some children had Down syndrome, some were spina bifida, all sorts. And the advice we got was very enabling. We were enabled to do exercises with the children that were appropriate. The same for speech therapy. And also there was a lot of, um, I suppose now you'd call it counselling, but for the mothers who came, it was often the first time this precious child they loved, but who was damaged, had been handled and loved and accepted within the group. And that was significant. Listening to Judith explaining what it meant to families to be included in the playgroup really resonates with my own experience. Places like Opportunity Group are still really needed today. Within the Holding Baby archives, we can see examples of statutory support that provides inclusive services. However, it appears that most services happen via the voluntary sector and parents' initiatives seeing a problem they are facing and bringing solutions. But for some reason, it doesn't appear to be a sustainable process beyond the funding, even though the need still exists to date and gaps in support still exist. Another interview I found in the archives was with Kevin Jenkins, who spoke about his journey of running play schemes and the same provision of Ambition Aspire Achieve which was an inclusive play hub he founded in 2016. The two things I've said for 40 years, all the staff I've managed, all the things I've run, is you can have, anyone can give you facts and figures and show you that they're doing a job and meeting a need. Anyone can do that, you know. The two things that are important I said to my staff is, one, if, in all honesty, you were happy to bring your own children to that project you're running, to go off to work and come back and collect them five hours later without worrying all day 
about they're going to be do this, do that, that sort of thing, or worry about how they're getting on, are they being lost, all that sort of stuff. Then you're doing your job. If you can honestly do that, if you're not, then there's something wrong, and we need to sort it out. So that's, that's how good the scheme is, as far as I'm concerned. Listening to various recordings from archive materials, it shows us the good practice of the past that we can learn from, especially the need to co-produce directly with those whom the service is intended. A child is every parent or carer's valuable asset, and for services to ease the anxiety and fears from lived experience, open access and inclusion of family members is needed for settling in period and building trust in a co-produced way instead of a closed approach of drop at the door and turn back. Building sustainable models is also important, as historically, parents and carers, community members have been able to develop good models based on direct needs but haven't continued. I was able to interview a few parents from Neon Parents Forum. It was such a relief when I heard another parent yeah. say they'd been through this mm -hmm. and, you know, these were the challenges and these were the pathways through. That understanding suddenly that you're just not out there on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, there are other parents out there who've been through the same thing as you. I think it's very empowering. Yeah. And actually when people start to volunteer in groups mm -hmm. like new and parent care forum mm. suddenly they do find empowerment suddenly they do find a voice yeah. and that helps some people get back into mm. i can do this yeah. so what would your experience right now what do parents what are parents saying what are the solutions they want to see what are things that they would love to see it's just exactly what we were talking about the choices out there to be able to be a parent not a carer it's difficult isn't it i was able to continue with my career actually because i had my parents yeah. living oh, so locally just like in the next street that's great I, um i just wouldn't have been able to continue work because i've always been a single parent so i think that kind of thing makes a massive difference yeah. From the findings, including discussions with parents, it's clear more joint collaborative work has to be done for a sustainable model. Also, from the 2023 budget on what support is there for childcare before and after school, the following was highlighted. Local authorities and schools will be giving more funding for what's known as wraparound care, so that parents of school-age children can access childcare in their local area from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. This could include provision of activities that fall outside of school hours via things like breakfast clubs and after-school clubs. We expect by September 2026, most primary schools will be able to provide their own before and after-school care. However, this needs to be clear for clearers of sent children so they are aware of what is available from the government proposal. From my findings and interviews, further work needs to be done a few things that I've identified. Strengthening capacity of existing services, both private and voluntary sector. Providing schools with the capacity to include SEND children in after-school clubs. SEND transport should also be available for children who use it for after-school transportation through additional staffing funds, which enables some staff to have additional hours of work income if they choose to. And this can be extended to parents and carers to be trained to become SEND peer mentors and improve their employability levels. Schools, youth clubs, and specialist resource units to allow their premises to be used to run activities and include SEND families on their buildings as they already have facilities but they're currently underused, especially for after-school club and during the holidays. On a personal note, for my work, especially during lockdown, I would love to look into developing a SEND activity play bus 
that could move around the parks and provide targeted support for sent families and children. You've been listening to Child Care Voices. This episode was written and produced by Adiola Shumbade. The series was made as part of a training course run by Hannah Kemp-Welch with support from Rosa Schling and Veronica Deutsch. Sound design by Hannah Kemp-Welch. Thank you to Nanny Solidarity Network for the crash. The Grow Your Own Oral History Project is run by On The Record and funded by Trust for London. Find out more at on-the-record.org.uk or follow us on Twitter at growyourown underscore OHP.